Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and this week in production, I'm trying something new. This week in production is produced by Art Aldridge. The thoughts and opinions expressed here are undoubtedly his own. You can reach Art at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. This is Don McGee. To book me for voiceovers, please call 908-451-6760. Thanks. So yes, I'm finally back from the road trip from hell. You know, three weeks on the road, it uh, it kicked my butt, not gonna lie. Uh, being sick in the middle of it didn't help, but uh, that's how it goes. Good thing for me is that the next few gigs, including the big uh, week-long golf event that I do, is in my backyard, so no plane travel. Though I will not be sleeping in my own bed for most of that uh, job. The theme, I think, of the past three weeks, aside from uh, getting beat up, was data. Data overload in a specific sense because I generated almost four terabytes of data. And uh, traveling with that is not uh, comforting in any way. <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, I don't like to have that much data in one place, even though it was on cards and disks. It just does not give me a warm, fuzzy feeling. That's because the OWC dock that I've been using, the four NVMe blades in a little box with the Thunderbolt enclosure, 4M2, uh, I've had two of them reinitialize themselves upon plugging it into my Mac. They are RAID 0. I don't know if that really matters or not because when you plug it in and it says this, this can't be in, you know recognized and has to be initialized. You know, I don't think whether it's RAID 0 or RAID 5 would help, though. I'm not positive about that. That's an experiment that I want to do. So I'm a little hesitant. I'm almost thinking about going back to some sort of a spinning disk uh, model. Not sure why, but two OWC enclosures spontaneously blew themselves up and uh, lost the data on them. Luckily, it wasn't catastrophic, but... If that's where you're putting your data, it's a little scary. Speaking of data and protecting myself, I did purchase a new RAID, a 8-bay chassis. I really looked hard at the Simply RAID that I saw at NAB. I mentioned it on a previous podcast. Their stuff looks very, very nice. And uh, I talked to the guy. They seem like they're you know plugged into the pro video space. Pricing is competitive with Promise Pegasus. I'm not sure what the lead time was. It wasn't like buy today, get tomorrow, but I think it was reasonable like within a week, but that's not what I did. And uh, <laughs> what I did was I bought a Promise Pegasus uh, R3-2, which is the Thunderbolt 3 variation of the Pegasus 8-bay. 144 terabytes, and it's used, which doesn't really bother me because it's, you know, spinning disk and it's RAID, and you could just swap a, a drive in there. 
And it was $1,000 less than something new that I was going to buy. So I figured 1000 bucks is a lot more Don Julio, right? So that's on its way, and I will be setting that up in place of my small tree shared storage. That thing has just died. It's very hard to resurrect it. I know the data's been backed up, but... I don't have confidence in that thing staying mounted and I'm I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it but might be on eBay soon so we'll see about that. So let's talk about Final Cut because Final Cut was updated right around the time I started my road trip. I actually did a podcast in Boston about it a couple of weeks ago but we had a problem with the Mix Pre recorder and it didn't record my microphone so it wasn't worth pursuing. But uh, I had uh, Tom Chartrand and uh, my client, Mr. X, and Lulita, and we were talking about Final Cut. Lulita's not really a Final Cut editor, but we were talking about Final Cut and what we needed and what we were thinking about as far as an iPad version. And I said, you know, I'm not really looking for an iPad version of Final Cut. It's just not something I, I need. With that being said, I did you know, subscribe to the iPad version of Final Cut. And I'm going to try it out. I'm actually going to try it out on this podcast. I'm actually recording into an iPad inside of Final Cut. I'm using a Mix Pre mixer to interface into the iPad for audio. And we'll see if I can cut this video episode of TWIP on the iPad and what I think. So I'll give you those impressions, you know, in a week or two. It seems well thought out. I mean, I was never a big user of Luma Fusion, which was the app that's been out for quite some time to let you do editing on, on Final Cut. I did use it a couple of times, but I never really had a need. And for me, if I don't have a need, I never really am able to force myself to dive deep into using an app. Even with Final Cut Pro 10, when it first came out, I never had a need until I was forced on one of the early Iditarod races that we were out of Final Cut 7 licenses. And I needed to edit, and I was literally forced into using Final Cut Pro 10. And of course, the rest is history. Never went back to 7 after that. So I'm going to try to force myself into using the iPad and seeing what's about. I do like the interface as far as, you know, touch. It looks like it's pretty good, well thought out. We'll see if it's viable or not. So I recorded this pre-WWDC Monday morning with the intention of getting it cut and out to the world before the event. That did not happen, of course. So instead of tossing out this episode completely, I'll jump in and show you if I was right or wrong with my predictions as they come up. Today is the day of the Worldwide Developers Conference, June 5th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So I'm not sure when you're going to hear this episode, but what are we expecting at WWDC? It's their, basically their software developer event, but there has been, in years past, announcements dealing with Mac hardware. I'm not going to get into the whole augmented reality, Apple glasses. I mean, it's interesting, and I'm certainly going to watch for it, but it's not the 
uh, intent of this podcast to get into that stuff. So I'm going to leave that where it is. But there may be some hardware that's interesting to professional editors. And again, I don't think we're going to hear any Final Cut related things, but the hardware is interesting and uh, it's part of what I'm watching for. So the rumors are that there will be a 15-inch MacBook Air. This rumor turned out to be true, so yay for me, one for one. I did purchase a 13-inch M2 MacBook Air with the new design. I love that machine. Very fast, lightweight, uh, portable, lightweight, did I say? Because my MacBook Pro, my M1 MacBook Pro, is a beast. And when you have to carry two or three of them, as I recently had to do, that is just unnecessary, really unnecessary. So I'm hoping that this 15-inch version of the MacBook Air has the power and the you know same lightness that I am looking for. Maybe that'll be a replacement for me for the editing and on the road because the 13-inch screen is just a little too small for me. Not really a fan of that size for editing, but I just, I love the form factor of that machine. The biggest knock on using the new MacBook Air 15 inch for editing is that it's only got two Thunderbolt ports. Can I get away with that for editing with maybe a dock like my TS4 Plus from CalDigit? Maybe, we'll have to see, but I, I like where it's going. Also rumored are maybe some new Mac Studios. Again, interesting announcement if it's true. Not sure that I'd be ditching my current Mac Studio, which is the M1 Max, but my current M1 Studio is eight terabytes of storage, 64 gigabytes of RAM. It's running my edit suite. It's been great. Can't really complain about it too much. I don't know, you know, what would make me upgrade that right now? Probably nothing. So the Mac Studio rumor was also true. There is a new M2 Ultra chip that they've announced, and that is going to be in the upgraded Mac Studio. I don't think I'm going to upgrade my Mac Studio. I'm going to just, you know, use it as is and see what happens. But They've refreshed it pretty quickly, which is interesting. I do think this is a good time if you haven't gotten into the Apple Silicon game, the Mac Studio with the M2 Ultra. For about five grand, you can get a nicely configured M2 Ultra Mac Studio, and that's a good way to get into the Apple Silicon game if you haven't done so. So let's talk about the Mac Pro for a minute. Do we expect a Mac Pro? I don't know. I mean, the jury is out. No one has a clue what Apple's going to do. I think it's two scenarios. One is that they're going to announce it and release it with a date, maybe soon, for sale. I don't think they can just say it's coming and let it go. I don't think that will happen. So I think it's either going to be, here it is, or they're not going to mention it at all, and it's going to die a slow and painful death. So, Mac Pro, available next week. I was a little surprised. I, I did have a hunch that it was going to just die a slow death. But now there's more questions since they've announced it. It appears it's the exact same form factor as the 2019 version of the Mac 
Pro, the one that I bought for, you know, $14,000. I would really love an upgrade path, maybe a logic board swap or a processor swap. <laughs> I think it would be short-sighted of Apple engineers to have built this machine without a path knowing the Apple Silicon transition was coming. So I don't know if it's going to happen. I would love to see it happen. I would certainly upgrade this machine to Apple Silicon if an upgrade path was available to me. Now, will I replace this machine with Apple Silicon if there is no upgrade path? Not, not right now. There's only two work scenarios where I could see me needing PCI expansion internally. And that's really the reason that you go with the Mac Pro is internal PCI expansion. I have a 2013 Mac Pro, the quote unquote trash can Mac that I use to do recording of baseband video, um, live recording sessions, multi-camera things where it's a, like a studio setup and I'm recording camera feeds live. I use Softron uh, Movie Recorder to do that. It's a very expensive piece of software, about $1,000 per channel in software. And I have either an AJA box, a KeyPro 4 HD, or I have some Blackmagic cards. But that would be one scenario. Like if I needed to record eight uh, SDI feeds into Softron Movie Recorder, I, I would do that with a Mac Pro. If I needed to do a big Zoom meeting and I'm using Zoom ISO and I'm using baseband video with, you know, like a Decklink Duo 2 card, definitely would do it in a Mac Pro. So not an immediate need for me. So right now it's not an immediate need for me, but now at least we know that Apple is still thinking about the pro market. I, I do see this as a good sign. Maybe in a few months there's an upgrade path for existing Mac Pro users. That would be great, Apple, please. That's it for this episode of This Week in Production. I'm Art Aldridge, and I'll see you next time.